Got a question for you as we start tonight. Um, and just let me see a show of hands. How many of you have ever run out of gas before? Like you, you've run out of gas in the road. Okay, lots of you. How many of you have ran out of gas multiple times? Like more than once? Okay, let me see your hands and let's just be honest, okay? It's no perfect people allowed, no, no shame, okay? How many of you have run out of gas in your car more than five times? Let me see your hands. Okay, we're whittling it down. All right, we're gonna keep going then. How many of you have run out of gas more than 10 times in your car? Oh my goodness, okay, there's still a lot of you in here. Okay, so here's the thing. My wife was, and she's gotten a little bit better at this, but she was the queen of running out of gas in her car. Her dad went to go get gas for her because she ran out of gas so many times that he began to carry a gas can in the back of his truck. One time, my wife was pulling out of her, our high school that we, that we went to, and she's pulling out, and she gets out of the street, and her car dies because she runs out of gas, and the car behind her thinks she's gonna keep going and realizes she's not gonna keep going and pulls out along with her, and the car that's then coming in the street runs into that car. My wife caused wrecks. She ran out of gas so much in high school. When we got married, her dad, as a gift, gave me a gas can. And I would end up using it many different times, okay? Uh, many, many times would I use this gas can. No matter how many times my wife ran out of gas, her dad was always coming to her rescue, was always coming with that gas can to fill her car up with gas. You know, there's a guy in the Bible, and there's many stories like this, and maybe you've been there before too, that made a total mess of a situation, and in the middle of his mess, cried out to God, prayed to God for help, and God still answered. Like in the middle of his mess that he had created and, and his leaders had created, God still came and answered and did the impossible. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. Go to Joshua chapter 10. If you got a Bible, Joshua chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to RaiderChurch.com on your phone, uh, on your browser, and go to message notes. The verses will be there, and you can just follow right along with us. We are starting a series tonight, and we will be in the next uh, two weeks after this, called Dangerous Prayers. We're going to be looking at the most dangerous, some of the most dangerous and life-changing prayers in the Bible. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. But I'm going to warn you, these are challenging prayers. And as we go through this series, we're just going to internalize these prayers and, and make them our own. But if you pray these prayers and you mean them in your heart and these become a part of your life, these prayers will change your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. So Joshua chapter 10, let me set this up for you before we get going, okay? Um, so here's what's happened. Uh, Joshua and the Israelites have crossed the Jordan. Um, Moses has died. Joshua, who, who was his assistant, basically his disciple, has now taken over. Um, they've crossed the Jordan finally. They've been wandering in the desert forever. They crossed the Jordan River into the promised land that God had promised Israel for hundreds of years, promising that he would lead them to this promised land. So they're crossing the Jordan and there's all these other uh, armies. There's all these other uh, places that they're going into that ba they're basically invading this land and uh, they go to battle many different times. And some of you are familiar maybe with the battle of Jericho and I don't have time to go all into that. But that's a famous battle of Israel after they cross the Jordan river. So some nations are absolutely terrified of them. Like they've heard of this nation of Israel whose God would part a Red Sea for them so that they could walk on dry land. And after they walked through, like allowed the sea to come back down on the Egyptian army that was pursuing. They've, they've heard of this God, of this nation who has this God that can do miraculous signs and wonders on behalf of his people. And so they're terrified. Many of them are terrified. Well, one of these nations, Gibeon, the, the Gibeonites, comes to Israel. They comes to Joshua and to the leaders of Israel and uh, tries to make this treaty with them. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we were told by God to come in and to take this land. And so Gibeon is afraid and they come and they deceive Israel. They deceive the leaders of Israel by telling them, no, we're from a far away. 
Like, you, you don't have to worry about us. We, we just, we've heard of your God and we've heard of you and we wanted to come and make a treaty with you because we believe that your God is God and we, we're going we're gonna to fear and, and worship your God. And so they deceive Israel into thinking that they're this nation from this faraway land. And Israel, Joshua and Israel's leaders, they don't consult with God. The scripture's clear. Like they, they don't go to God and, and ask God what he thinks about this situation. They just go into this treaty with this other nation. They weren't supposed to do that. So they make this treaty with Gibeon. And these other kings, the Amorite kings of the hill country, get together and they're saying, listen, we've heard of Israel. We've heard of their God. Now Gibeon has gone into, uh, has, has made a tre treaty with them. And so let's come together. Let's all come together. And so these five kings and five nations come together, the Amorite kings. And, and they say, hey, we're going to get together and um, we're going to go and fight Gibeon because they're upset with them for signing a treaty with Israel. So they're, they're going to go and fight Gibeon, attack them and take them out. And so they get together, they go to the Gibeonites, they, they go to battle with them. And, and Gibeon, the Gibeonites, send word to Israel. Obviously, their ally, their new ally. Hey, we're, we're in trouble now. These five kings, the five Amorite kings, these five other nations have come to battle against us. We're severely outnumbered. And so we need you to come and help us. Well, now Israel has got a total mess on their hands. They didn't consult with God. They were de deceived by the Gibeonites. Now they're in a treaty with them. Now they have to go and rescue their ally. And so Israel and, and the Gibeonites are totally outnumbered by these five kings. And so you know Joshua and the, the leaders of Israel are thinking, we totally messed this up. Like, we messed up big time, and we created this other alliance of these five other kings who've now come together to destroy us. And they're scared. They've made a total mess of the situation. They didn't listen to what God said, and they are in a huge mess, literally with their lives on the line. And so Israel goes to Gibeon's rescue. They go to fight and they're fighting together. They're fighting these five other nations and Joshua prays this radical, outrageous prayer. It's incredible that in the midst of Joshua's mess, he cries out to God to get him out of the mess that they created by doing something absolutely miraculous. Let's see what happens. Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 12. On the day that the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, watch this, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ashelon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. God comes to their rescue. He sends the, the armies of these five nations into this total panic in fact, God allows this hailstorm to come down that, that ends up consuming many of them and, and, and the Israelites chase them and defeat them and, and conquer them. But in the middle of this, in the middle of their mess, in the middle of this battle, so that they don't allow the, the, these armies to get away, Joshua prays and asks God in front of all of Israel, Let the sun stand still and the moon stay in its place. And God hears him and answers him and does what Joshua said. Joshua had made a mess of this whole situation and, and he has the, the gall, the nerve to come to God and to pray this bold, huge prayer. God listens and responds. 
You ever had a mess on your hands? Maybe it was a mess that you made or, or maybe it was a mess that, that someone else made, but, but, but you're in it and you cried out to God for help. You know, a lot of times when, we're, when we make a mess, we do anything but cry out to God. We, we run from God. But maybe tonight you find yourself in a place where you, you're in a mess. You, you're, you, you've got a problem on your hands, whether you created it or, or, or not. And maybe tonight you need God to do a sun stand still kind of moment in your life where God does the impossible. If that's not you right now, chances are that time is coming. Jesus said in this life we're going to have many different troubles. He promised us that. That we would have trouble. But he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't say that there wouldn't be any trouble if we follow him. He just, he promises that he'll be with us through the trouble, that he'll hold our hand through the troubles. So you may find yourself in that situation now, and if not, chances are at some point you will find yourself in a situation like this, like Joshua finds himself in, where he needs God to come through and and to do something miraculous and to rescue him from the situation. And when that time comes, you need to pray like like Joshua prayed. And so we're gonna just kind of break down what happened in Joshua's prayer here so that we can pray like Joshua prayed. Number one, you need to pray publicly. Pray publicly. Publicly, Some of you are like terrified to even write that, like your hand's shaking, like as you even write that or you type that in your phone. Pray publicly, like what are you talking about? Well, Joshua, in the middle of his mess, prays publicly. He vocalizes this huge, incredible prayer. Like he says it, he goes public with his prayer in front of Israel. If I had been Joshua and I was praying a prayer like sun stand still, I think I would have been like, hey God, can you let the sun stand still? <laughs> or, you know, you just would have said it kind of in your heart, you know, like a lot of times we'll, we, you know, we pray and we're just, we're praying in our, in our heart. And, and so, so I, I think I would have just prayed in my heart just to make sure no one heard like my whisper of asking God for the sun to stand still. No, Joshua prays bold out loud in front of all of Israel. I mean, imagine doing that, praying something that huge in front of that many people. What happens if God doesn't come through? What happens if if God doesn't answer his prayer? Joshua will look like an idiot. But Joshua prays out loud in front of all of Israel. You know, Mark and I and uh, several others were on staff at this church called Experience Life here in town and they started Raider Church and, 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 and we've all been doing Raider Church ever since, but it was years ago before Easter and our staff was praying together and we felt like God told us that we were gonna pray for 500 people to give their lives to Jesus at Easter. And we were praying for something none of us had ever seen before or been a part of before. We, we'd never seen anything like this. I mean, nothing like this has ever happened even in our, our city. And so uh, we're, we're praying for this and we're asking God for this, but it's kind of just amongst our staff right now. And we would pray for it out loud, like at our staff prayer times and things like that. But, but, but you know, to me, I'm thinking, we would never go public. We're not going to post that like on Facebook or something. We're not going to go tell the church this. You know, I, I'm just thinking, I mean, there's no way we would ever do something like this. Well, we had this guy on our staff, the, the prayer pastor, and um, he, would, he prayed a lot. And, and, so, and that's why he was called that. And he organized prayer for us and did things like that. So, so Barry... The, the crazy prayer pastor, okay? We're in the middle of this prayer gathering and I'm literally, I'm walking behind this gathering and I'm just kind of listening and praying and I'm walking and, and, and Barry is on stage leading this prayer gathering and he invites the church to pray for the 500 at Easter. And I'm like, oh no, he didn't just do that. <laughs> what, Barry, that was a secret. Like we weren't supposed to go public with that 
prayer request because we've never seen anything like that happen before. And when that doesn't happen, Barry, we're going to look like idiots. And so I'm literally like my heart sank and I'm thinking, Barry, why did you do that? Barry told the whole church. Now everyone's praying for 500 people to give their lives to Jesus at Easter. And you know what happened that Easter? Over 500 people gave their lives to Jesus that Easter Sunday. Never seen anything like it before in my life. And I was so scared because Crazy Barry went public with the prayer request that you're not supposed to go public with. But Barry went public with it anyways. Because Barry had the faith to speak it out loud. And I learned a lot that Easter. You know, a lot of times we won't speak things or pray things out loud, especially in front of other people, because we're, we're scared to. We're scared of what we'll look like. We're scared of what other people might think or, or say. Joshua didn't care. He prayed boldly and he prayed publicly. And God moved and did the impossible. So we got to pray publicly, out loud, and in front of other people. And, and that can be difficult to do, but, but you can take small steps, like getting into a small group where you, you begin to read the Bible with other people, and there's a, a smaller group there, and, and you learn how to kind of pray from other people. You listen to other people pray, and, and, then, and then you start to pray, or, or maybe you start volunteering here, and, and, and our volunteers pray before these gatherings, and, and maybe you start to hear other people pray, and then, and then you begin to, to pray, you know, short, small prayers, but they grow, and they get bolder, and they get bigger. But if you want God to move in your life, you, you've got to have that faith as small as a mustard seed Jesus talked about to go public with your prayer request. Two, secondly, you've got to pray despite your mess. Pray despite your mess. You know, Joshua and the leaders of Israel made this mess for themselves. And sometimes... Other people are going to create the mess, and then you're going to step in it, right? And then sometimes you're, just, you're going to mess yourself. And um, when you do that, you're going to pray despite the mess. You know, one of the worst things that can happen when a child, like when an infant or a toddler, poops themselves, like messes themselves, okay? One of the worst things that can happen is for them to try to clean it up. It's awful, Okay. The parent always needs to come and clean it up because if they even start to like check themselves or something like that, it gets dirty in a hurry, okay? And so it's, it gets nasty and it, it's, it becomes a much bigger mess than when it was originally like just contained in the diaper, you know, like where it was supposed to be. But if they get into the mess and they start trying to fix it and clean themselves, it just gets to be a, a total huge mess. And some of you are like, I'm never having kids. I mean, it's just, it's over. I, mean, I, I can't do that. Um, and, I know, I, and dudes, I know, listen, I know some of you are like, I can't do that. Like, how could I change it? You get used to it when it's your own kid. You get poop all over yourself and it's all okay. I don't know why. That just changes. So I think I scared you all even worse. Okay. What we often do when we create a mess for ourselves is we try to clean it up. We, we, we try to fix the mess. And instead of going to God who can clean the mess up for us, instead of letting our dad help us out, we, we try to fix it ourselves. And oftentimes when we do that, we go further and further and we get dirtier and dirtier than we ever thought we'd go. When if we just would have come to our Father, He would have cleaned the mess up. We see a lot of us think we have this wrong impression of God. That when we make a mess, like we've got to clean it up before we come to Him. And nothing could be further from the truth. 
When you're in a mess, when you screw up, when you mess up, we come to God. And then through Christ in us, the Bible says, he cleans us up himself. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, if we confess our sin to our dad, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of us try to cleanse ourselves so that we could be somehow acceptable or pleasing to God. And that's not the way it works. That's religion. You can't clean yourself up and make yourself more acceptable or more pleasing to God. That's not the way works. We come to God in our mess, in our sin. And our heavenly father cleans us up and cleanses us from that sin and helps us put things back together. And so tonight, if, if you're here and you've been in a mess, would you just want to chat? Just just confess it to God. Just come to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need your help. And then as you begin to follow Jesus, he'll, he'll clean up that mess. He'll put things back together. He'll mend the things that are broken. He'll, he'll heal the, the hurt that's in your heart. And there may still be consequences. There, there may still be some, some pain. But, but through Christ in you, as you follow Jesus... He will put the brokenness back together. He will bring the healing to your heart. He will cleanse and fix the situation. The writer of Hebrews and said this, that we can come boldly to the throne of God's grace to find help and mercy when we need it most. Even in your mess, when, when you need the most help, you can come, like Joshua did, boldly to the throne of God's grace. And you will find mercy. You're not going to find your father reaming you and chewing you out and saying, why can't you get it together? How many times have you done this? Why can't you figure it out? No, when you come to the throne of God's grace, when you come to your heavenly father, you find grace and mercy and help at the throne of grace. And so when we're in a mess, we come and we kneel before the throne of grace and say, God, I need your help. I need your help. I made this mess. I screwed up. But God, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Would you cleanse me from my sin? Would you pick me back up? Would you help me walk again? Would you heal me? Would you mend me? God, I'm broken. And you can do that in the midst of your mess. We pray despite the mess because we're praying to the only one who can clean it up. So number two, we, we pray despite the mess. And then number three, we pray ignorantly. Pray ignorantly. Now I know some of you are like, what are you talking about? Like, being ignorant means like being dumb or being stupid, and, and that's not what it means. Being ignorant means that you just don't know something yet. Like, my kids are ignorant when it comes to algebra. They haven't done that yet. They haven't, they haven't been there yet. Some of you are like, I'm still ignorant of that. What are you trying to say? So where, when you're ignorant, it just means you don't know something yet. You haven't learned something yet. And here's what's so amazing about this prayer, this, this bold, incredible, impossible prayer that Joshua prays. Son, stand still. Here's what's amazing about this prayer. It's wrong. It's inaccurate. Joshua prays a prayer that is inaccurate. Because you see, we now know that what? The sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun or orbits the sun. 
And so when Joshua prays, he's not even praying the right thing. Sun stands still. The sun is still. It's always still. It doesn't move. The earth goes around the sun. Joshua's not even praying the right thing. I mean, if he had done that today, there'd be some smart aleck, you know, religious person or stuck up person and say, what an idiot. Just pray for the sun to stand still. He didn't know that. I mean, uh, what's wrong with this guy, you know? I mean, some of us don't pray or we're afraid to pray because we're afraid we're not going to say the right thing or we're not going to pray and it's not going to be all theologically correct. Stop worrying about that. Just pray to your Father. You could pray the totally wrong thing and God knows what needs to happen. He knows your heart. So you could pray the wrong thing. You could say the wrong thing. And your heavenly father knows what needs to be done. And he sees your heart. And he sees you crying out to him and praying to him like a child would do. And just like Jesus said, you have a father, a heavenly father, who loves to give good gifts to his kids. You know, when a child prays, when when my kids pray, I'm not hovering over them, correcting every little inaccuracy and everything they said that's, that's not theologically correct. I'm not, I'm not hovering and pointing out every wrong thing they, they said when they prayed. You, you know what they, they call those kinds of people? They're hypocrites. In our day, they're religious church people. You like to point out everything that's wrong with everything you're trying to do or every way that you're trying to pray or or that you're trying to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus got so upset with the Pharisees about is they were constantly criticizing and pointing out all the little things that someone was doing wrong. Jesus couldn't stand that critical spirit. And so listen, if you ever find yourself like criticizing other Christians or other churches or whatever, would you just shut up? Like seriously, because you are doing so much harm to the kingdom of God. I can't tell you how many people talk about what we do here at Raider Church and and criticize and and how some people that that come here week after week still struggle with sin. And I'm like, where else do you want them to be? I want them right here. You you guys probably don't know this. I mean, we get criticized all the time. I get all kinds of of feedback on, on everything that we're doing wrong all the time. And I'm just like, shut up. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to hear from God. We're trying to tell people about the word of God. Would you just shut up? I mean, that's what oftentimes, I think that's what Jesus is thinking in his mind when he's talking to the Pharisees sometimes who are constantly pointing out what was wrong. He's just like, would you shut up? I mean, he called them a lot worse, actually. He called them like this brood of vipers and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, what does that mean? It was a bad deal back then, okay? It was like Jesus was basically like cussing these guys out and like telling them to, to go away, you know? And so, so you could pray the wrong thing and say the wrong thing and totally fumble and mess up your prayer. And God, as a great dad, will say, I hear you. I see your prayer. I see your heart. I know what's in your heart. And sure, you may have a long way to go, but that's okay. It's okay, Joshua. You didn't pray the the right thing. That's okay. When we pray, we can pray like, like a child that just believes their dad loves them and wants to do good things for them. You know, when I was a youth pastor years ago, I, was, I started a ministry at 21, it was 15 years ago, and I was immediately a, a youth pastor, and there was this older guy on staff at this church I, I was on staff with, it was in his uh, 50s, and so it was, a, it was old to me, and so, so he was um, the college pastor at the time, and uh, we went on this retreat where we stayed in these cabins, and, and they were kind of primitive, it wasn't like 
you know, this really nice cabin. It was just like a, a room that had wood around it. It was basically a shack, and uh, there were bunks in it. And so we're in these bunks, and, and there's scorpions, like, on the floor. And um, we're all kind of freaking out because there's scorpions, you know? And I'm, I'm kind of more, like, mad and upset that I'm in this shack where there's scorpions, you know? And, and so I'm kind of being a, a diva. I know none of you would ever expect that of me, but, but I was being a little bit of a diva. And so, so I, I'm, I'm a little upset, and, and it's nighttime, and, and we're going to sleep, and, and Russ, this college pastor, his name was Russ Murphy. He was in his 50s. And, and he just starts praying, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you know, we're, we're praying before we go to bed, and he's just like, God, you see these scorpions, and you don't know, you know we don't like, would you just get rid of these scorpions, and would you just keep us safe from these scorpions? And I'm thinking, what kind of, what kind of prayer is that? Like you're, you're praying about the scorpion, like for the scorpion, like what, what, what is going on here? But that was Russ. He was always praying like a child would pray. He just had this childlike faith. And in case you're like, yeah, that's easy to do when, when, when it's just a few scorpions, okay? You can, you can have the, the faith like a child when things are easy, when, you, when you're not really suffering or, or going through anything. It wasn't 10 years later, Russ unexpectedly and tragically lost his wife. I was with him right after it happened. His wife, Sarah Lynn, was the love of his life. They worked together. They had an amazing relationship. I mean, I looked up to him for years. I'd grown up in this church, and I'd looked up to them in, the, in their marriage. So had thousands of college students that had been through their college ministry that looked up to them and saw them as this example, that saw them as the goals that, the, that they wanted for themselves and, and, and for their own marriage. They had this sweet love together. And tragically and unexpectedly, he lost his wife. She died. Wasn't expecting it. Had no idea it was coming. It was one of those freak things. They're at dinner, and boom, just like that, she fell over onto the table, and she was dead. In the weeks and the months and the years that followed, this has been within the last five years. I never saw the way Russ would pray or talk change. After being through all of that, you would think you, you might become bitter. You would have questions. You could be angry. And, and I know Russ went through all of those things. But Russ continues to this day to have the faith of a child. And you hear it when he prays. Because he prays for simple, huge things. And he asks his dad to do huge, impossible things in a way that a child would pray. And that's not a, a cut down to him, and it's quite the opposite. It's inspiring that he believes God. He believes his dad loves him and wants to give him good gifts. And so I know some of you are here and you're like, but you just don't understand my situation. Like, I've got a big request. Like, yeah, there's Little request, but I've got like a, a big request. Like for God to make the sun stand still in, in my life and with what's going on right now, like it would be very hard. It would be a huge request. And you see, many of us, we kind of rank our prayer requests like that. Like we think if, if something's easy, maybe it's not even worth praying about. But if it's something that's hard, well, then we, we really can't ask God for that because it's not like God could do something that big or that huge or, or that impossible or that great. Like that would be just too much. He, he couldn't do that. That would be too hard for him. We rank our, our situations in, in our prayer requests. 
but nothing could be further from the truth. There are no degrees of difficulty for God. To the infinite, the one who exists outside of time and, and space, all the finite things are the same. To him, there, there are no easy or hard requests. There are no huge requests and, and small requests. It's, it's all the same to him. They're all easy for him. Hillsong wrote a song recently, uh, recently called uh, So Will I, and, and I love the, the lyrics to this song, and, and here's a few of them. They go like this. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets formed. That's the, the power of our God. That he can create and he can speak things that don't exist. He can create everything out of nothing. That he can speak and hundreds of billions of galaxies and planets are, are, are formed out of nothing. He can bring the dead back to life, And so we're talking about a God who can create everything out of nothing and who can bring the dead back to life. If that's the case, then all bets are off. There is nothing that's too hard for our God. You know, I posted um, a picture of my wife and I from this week from ninth grade. Um, and then uh, a year ago um, at 36 now. And so we were about 14 in that picture, and we're 36 now. Just, I, I just want to ask, how many of y'all saw that? Okay, almost, almost everyone. Um, so this, I, and, and this has never happened to me before or anything like, okay, so that pic, it went viral, like it took off. And um, my wife was like kind of freaking out and she's like looking at what picture did you post again? She's looking at it again, you know, and zooming in and making sure everything's okay because there was about a million people that saw it. I told her, I said, about one in every 400 Americans like saw that picture and she's like panicked, like, oh my gosh. Like, and so it, it, went, it went viral and people were saying all, all kinds of things about it. Okay, so, but what most people don't know that maybe a few of you in here do know is that picture represents a total miracle of God. Many of you that have been here for a while know my story, and if you, if you're, if you haven't yet, you'll probably hear it this fall when we launch back, so you'll have to come back for like all the, 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 the details. But, but in high school, I made a total mess of our friendship and our relationship. My, Darby and I thought that from an early age, from seventh grade, we thought we would end up getting married. Our parents thought it. It was a, it was a wild thing. It also made it very difficult on us because it was like there was always this sense that that, that was our future, that that was what was happening. And you might think, well, that would be incredible, and, and it was, but it also made things very difficult for us because it was always serious, and it was always like if we were dating, it was like this is the end, this is, this is it. And so through high school, we, we dated off and on, we saw each other off and on, and there were some of those times when we were off and I was dating some other girls that I messed up big time. I made some terrible decisions sexually in some of the other relationships that I had. And I'll never forget it, telling Darby one night in my truck after years of this, it was our senior year of high school, and I told her about what I had done and the mess that I had made and decisions that I had made, and, and, and she just broke down crying. She said she didn't want to see me anymore. We weren't dating or anything at the time. She just said she, she, she wanted to get out of the car. She wanted to leave. She didn't want to talk to me or see me again. And I was broken. Like, I was broken. This was supposed to be the one for years and years that I had thought, our families had thought, everyone had thought that we would end up getting married. And she was telling me she didn't want to talk to me anymore. She didn't want to see me anymore. I mean, I could barely breathe. I was crying so hard. 
I've made a total mess of this situation. And if it wasn't worse than that, she actually, we, we started kind of seeing each other again and, and hanging out again. And um, she just wasn't ready yet. And so instead of kind of giving her time, I went right back to one of those relationships because I was scared. I was scared that, that she wasn't ready because I was insecure. I wasn't walking with Jesus. And so I went right back to one of those relationships, made some of the same mistakes over again, making a whole total mess of the situation all over again. We didn't see each other again for about a year. During that time, I was really beginning to, to follow Jesus seriously. I'd gone to church for most of my life, but I was really starting to follow Jesus and, and, and grow and, and become more confident and secure in my relationship with Jesus. So, so a year later, we run into each other at a gathering just like this. I had no idea that they were gonna, the other person was gonna be there, but we run into each other and we started talking. It's a long story, but I was there with some other uh, youth kids and they, they stole my truck. They took off and left me there and, and she had to give me a ride home and it turned out to be like this huge sovereign act of God. And so we started talking that week. We ended up going out on a, a date later, about a month or so later, and then 11 months, 11 months later, we were engaged. 11 months after that, July 26, 2003, we were married. This summer, July 26, it will be 15 years of marriage. It's a miracle. It was a miracle to me because I made a mess of that situation over and over and over again. And God at his grace and his mercy because he's an amazing dad, even though I didn't deserve it, gave good gifts to his kid. You know, I learned something this past weekend for the first time. Um, we were, my family was, was driving to, to Austin and um, we're driving and my wife starts to tell me about the situation that happened on our wedding day. And I'm like, you never told me that. And she's like, Clayton, I told you that. And I'm like, you, you never told me that. Like, I would have remembered that. And she's like, Clayton, I've told you this story. And so I just want to go on record. Babe, you didn't tell me, okay? You did not tell me the story. So here's what, here's what happened, okay? She goes to, to pick up my ring on our wedding day, thinking that she could take the ring and then just kind of pay it out over time. Well, it didn't work like that at this place. And so she goes to pick up my ring. This is the, our wedding day. And they said, no, you, you got to pay for it in full. She didn't have the money. I mean, she didn't even have close to the money. And so she leaves sobbing. I mean, girls, can you imagine the wedding ring? Like you're getting married that day. And they said, you, you can't have the ring. So... She goes to the church that we're gonna get married at. Not, she didn't have any idea what she's gonna do. Well, I mean, she has no idea. I have, I'm clueless about all of this. Like, and, and not just that date. I've been clueless about this for the last 15 years, okay? So she is sobbing at church. I thought it was this perfect day. She's sobbing in the other room. And because, I mean, imagine showing up to the altar, I mean, and not having, a, you know, a ring to, to, to give me. And so she's sobbing and she's telling her mom what happens. A couple hours later, her dad showed up with that ring. She couldn't pay for it. She couldn't do it. She was in a mess and her dad found out about it and went and bought that ring, paid for it in full, and gave it to her to give to me. I found that out this weekend. That's what an amazing dad she has.
that even when she was in a mess on her wedding day with a ring she couldn't afford, he came through and paid it all. Does that sound familiar? You know, the Bible says that every one of us have sinned. We have all messed up. We've all got a mess. And because of that, there's a debt that we have to pay to God. The problem is we can't pay it because the debt is perfection. It's absolute holiness and righteousness. That is the debt. And you can't pay it. I can't pay it because of our sin. We've fallen short of God's standard, which means there's a debt. There's a gap between us and God. But it has to be paid. And so you could stand before God one day and you could pay that debt. And the Bible says that debt, that fine, that penalty is eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But God, your father loves you so much that in the middle of your impossible mess, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay your fine for your sin so that you could be totally forgiven. And so here's what happens when you give your life to Jesus. The Bible says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's incredible. It says this, that when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus, who knew no sin, becomes sin for you so that those who are in Christ might receive, might become the very righteousness of God. Jesus paid it all so that you could be in right relationship with your Father in heaven. And some of you are here tonight and you've never made that decision before. You've never given your life to Jesus. And I wanna challenge you that tonight is your night, it's why you're here, is to hear that there's a debt that you can't pay, it's perfection. You're not gonna be good enough. Quit trying to be good enough or hoping that your good deeds are out gonna weigh your bad deeds. You've fallen short of the standard. The debt is perfection. You can't be perfect. You haven't been perfect, you can't be perfect. Stop trying to be. You can't try harder and be more acceptable or more pleasing to God, you're not. The only way to be acceptable to God is to be hidden in Christ, the Bible says. Is to, be, is to give your life to Jesus so that Jesus takes the fine for your sin through his death on the cross and so that you are now hidden in Christ. You become the righteousness of God so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. Jesus took it. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And when that exchange happens, You can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven because you're right with God now. You're righteous. And if you're here tonight, you've never made that decision before, I wanna challenge you. Take out that card that was in your chair. Check the boxes as I'm committing my life to Christ tonight. And after the service, stop by the, the Raider Church booth there. It's on the right as you exit. We've got a Bible for you. We wanna celebrate that decision with you and pray for you as you begin this new journey with Jesus. Do you know what the very next verse in Joshua 10 is? We read the verses about the sun standing still and the very next verse says this, verse 14. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely, watch this, the Lord fought for Israel that day. The Lord fought for Israel that day. So you're in a mess right now. You have a, a sun standstill kind of moment in your life right now that you need God to come through and to rescue you. Here's what I want you to remember. When you pray, God fights. When you pray, your heavenly Father begins a battle for you on your behalf. And so tonight, I know some of you here have that. You've got that kind of moment right now where you need the sun to stand still. And if that's not you tonight, you're gonna face one of those moments sooner or later. And when you do, you need to pray. Because when you pray, your Father 
goes to battle. Would you pray with me? And tonight, just right where you're at, if you're here and you've got one of those moments kind of on your hands right now, you find yourself in a mess, you need God to do something big, do something huge, rescue you, make the sun stand still. If that's you, I just wanna invite you right now as, as, as we're here tonight to take advantage of this moment and to be bold like Joshua was and to stand and say, yep, that's me. I need God to come through. I've got a sun stand still kind of moment going on right now and I need God's help. I'm in a mess. I may have caused it. Someone else may have caused it. Whatever it is, whatever the, whatever the mess, whatever the situation you find yourself in, if you need God to come through for you tonight and to do for you what you can't do for yourself, stand up right where you're at. You gotta pray publicly. You gotta go public. You gotta take the risk. You gotta take the chance. There's people standing up all over the room. If you're around one of these people, would you go and just lay a hand on them and just begin to pray for them that the sun would stand still in their life, that God would do the impossible. So just begin to pray. Just let's lift up those prayers. Everybody that's around them, you can begin to pray. If you don't know what to pray, just ask God that in their life, that he would begin to fight for them and that he would cause the sun to stand still. God, we believe you hear us tonight. And so we're praying, we're, we're going public. In spite of the mess, we're, we're praying anyways, God. We're praying even we, when we don't know what to say and, and sometimes we don't even know if we're saying the right thing, God. But you hear our hearts tonight. You see your kids crying out to you tonight and we thank you that you hear us and you answer and you move and you fight for us on our behalf. God, we thank you for that. God, your word says that at that time, there had never been a day like that before. But God, today, we've seen many days like that before. God, we've seen you do incredible things. God, we saw Elijah. We read about Elijah calling down fire from heaven. We see the prophet Elisha bringing someone back from the dead, a child back from the dead. God, we read about Daniel going into the lion's den and, and you rescuing him from the, the mouths of the lions. God, we, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into a fire because of their faith in God and you rescued them from the flames of the fire. God, we see Jesus, Jesus being risen from the dead and his followers going out and doing the same thing. God, we've read about many days like the one we read about tonight. And God, we pray that today would be a day like those days and the life of every person that stood. And in all of our lives, God, would you make the sun stands still. And so we worship you, God, along with all of creation tonight. God, all of creation, we worship you. We've heard of your fame. We stand in all of your deeds. We've seen the miraculous things you've done. We've read about the miraculous things you've done. Would you do it again tonight? God, we're worshiping the one who does it over and over and over again. The Father who comes through over and over and over again. We worship you tonight, God.